Welcome once again to Saturday Java with Jason. I am Jason Coffee Man. This is where we meet with guests, drink coffee, and just have a great conversation. I'm here with Darlie Simmons. She's going to talk to you about clean eating. It's called Ditch the Diet. We're not talking about major programs here. We're talking about clean eating and what that is and how to accomplish it. So I'm going to turn the time over to Darlie Simmons, and she can tell you more about herself and more about her program. Okay, great. Thank you so much, Jason, for having me here today. I am super excited to be here and share this because I was on a journey of yo-yo dieting for many, many years, right? And I retired as a school principal a year and a half ago and knew that I wanted to find a way to just lose weight and just lose it for good. And so I really was just, I kind of put this together myself. And I've always been big on healthy eating. Not that I've always followed that, but I've always done a lot of research on what's healthy, what's nutritious, those those kind of things. And I have also studied personal development for over 35 years. So I combined the two the mindset piece, really getting a good handle on who I wanted to be and why I wanted to get healthy and put that together with clean eating, which really clean eating is to eliminate or significantly reduce anyways, the highly processed foods and really making 90% of what I eat, lean protein, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, and beans. And that's really what I teach. And I have been able to lose over 40 pounds. I've got another 20 to go. And it comes off slowly because I am doing it mindfully. I still want, there's days when I feel like having something that may not be so clean, like pizza or something, but we need to live too. We, it, you can't, I can't um, say that I'm never going to have a piece of chocolate cake ever again, right? So there's a real balance there. And like I said, like 90% of what I eat is clean and healthy. And I look at fueling my body with good nutritious food. And that's what I teach people. And I've got a, a nice following of people who are seeing great results as well. Okay. let's. You touched on a lot of good principles okay. right there. Speaking of principles, but you were a school, a school principal, you said, and I think you ran into issues in school, and I know I have, and I'm going back many years now when I was in school, but I believe kids are being brought up in school because of the, the money being brought in, I guess, for school lunches, where I guess you could say they're being groomed at that age mm. to eat the unhealthy eat the processed food and i believe that carries in to teenage and adulthood because you're being groomed as a kid yeah i i would have to agree with you there i'm not a big fan of the school lunch program myself it is yeah it it, it doesn't follow what really uh we think of as clean eating and one big thing and i'm a I actually eat mostly plant-based and I know like there's many, many children who are lactose intolerant and they have to be given a carton of milk 
whether they want it or not. It's just part of the school lunch program. You've got to get a carton of milk. And I think I don't, I've heard that, but there's like millions of dollars worth of milk just thrown right in the garbage every single day across the U.S. because of that. Um, and it's not only just the school, but we are bombarded with advertisements, right? All day long. If you're, if you watch TV, there's even uh, think of the cereal that is targeted. You're talking to children, right? And usually the first ingredient is wheat or corn or something. Second ingredient is often sugar, right? I mean, those are just sugar packed foods that aren't really all that nutritious, <laughs> Now, I do get a lot of hate for saying this, but I believe the food pyramid that we had when we were young is kind of messed up because what they're saying to us, and it's been this way for years, is the bottom of the pyramid, the biggest part is the wheats, the grains, the pastas, all that stuff. That's all inflammatory. Mm -hmm. So not just that, but it turns into sugar which turns into literally an insulin spike that causes a lot of these internal things as diabetes and all this. Shouldn't we somehow fix that so we eliminate that and lower the dosage, the recommended amount per day? Yeah, I would, I would have to agree with you there because especially – like you said, the pastas and breads, those are all highly processed, right? And they turn to sugar like right away. What I teach is three quarters of your plate should be plant-based and vegetables, fruits, whole grains. Now there's a big difference between a whole grain and what you're eating in your pasta or your or your sliced bread, right? A whole grain like barley and and even there's wheat berries, there's quinoa, there's brown rice, there's wild rice, those kind of things are whole grains. You're getting all of the nutrients in there rather than when you're eating like the pastas and the breads, that is the nutrients are all stripped out, right? You're getting, you, they're taking the hulls and, and busting them all up and you get this highly processed thing and then they sprinkle in a few nutrients to say it's enriched flour, right? Um, so yeah, so the grains the fruits, the vegetables, and then one quarter of your plate should be a lean protein, like a lean beef, chicken, turkey, those kind of things, or beans, beans, tofu, those kind of things are super nutritious, super healthy, a great protein source. Some people concerned about our, our plant-based proteins, complete proteins. I'm here to share that they that they are, and you can get all the protein you need from plants if you want to go that route. And I, I recommend everybody sprinkle in some meatless meals, even if you don't want to go 100% meatless, but sprinkle in some meatless meals a couple of times a week. It's really, really very beneficial and healthy for you. Now you're saying whole grains. Now there's a lot of people out there that say, well, even cereal companies will say, whole grain oats, whole grain wheat, that even for cereals, I'll give you one, shredded wheat or raisin bran, mm -hmm. whole wheat. Well, technically, that's really processed. They're just saying whole wheat, I believe, is an advertising gimmick. Right, right. Yeah, but you have to really look at the late. What you really need to look at is the ingredients, 
what else is in there besides the wheat. It may have started with whole wheat, but, but then like you said, they processed it down so that it is not really the whole grain. Really what I'm talking about is you just buy the bag of whole grain and you cook it. And typically it takes 40 minutes or you use a one of the mini Instapot kind of um, tools. It'll cook it faster. I also recommend people batch cook that kind of thing. Like when I make brown rice, I make enough for the week. So we have it two or three nights. So you don't have to cook it every single night. It's fine for a week in the fridge and, and you can have that a couple of nights, two or three nights rather than having to cook it each day, because it, it is a little bit time consuming. Right. And I realize even because you're talking your plant-based, I kind of look at another diet. I'm not trying to preach to you, but I do keto, mm -hmm. which is, and you're talking clean eating. I do, which is actually a high fat, low carb diet. Yeah. I'm still eating clean. I don't eat a lot of processed food either. I stay away from the high process and I eat low carbs. Mm -hmm. So you can still do that and lose weight. It's a matter of choosing what the healthiest way is. And that's no matter what way you eat, you got to stay away from that processed food, no matter what it is. Right. I would agree with you a hundred percent. And what everybody has their own preferences, their own desires, what, what really works right for you. And that's why I have coined the term ditch the diet, because I don't think there's any one diet that is going to work for everybody. Right. And I just teach certain principles. And like you said, it's, it's really around that clean eat, like getting away from that highly processed food. So basically you look at the label and if there's a bunch of ingredients on there that either you can't read or they look like chemicals, they're probably chemicals and you might want to reconsider, right? One thing gets me is when you make a cake, a cake could be six ingredients. Go there and look what a pre-made store-bought oh. cake is. A cake in the store can have 30 ingredients. Yeah. When you make it yourself, you have six or seven. Right. Yeah. Have you ever looked at ice cream? Ice cream. If yeah. you ever made your own ice cream, right? It's heavy cream. It's sugar, maybe a little vanilla and whatever you want in there, some cocoa or strawberries or whatever it is. Like it's four ingredients, right? And you've got ice cream. What you look at the, you look at the labeling in and it is uh, full of chemicals. Absolutely. Right. So we're talking clean, no matter what the diet is, is whether it's keto low-carb, plant-based, whatever it is, there's a few things. Eat clean, stay with the process, and one of the things that Dara Lee is drinking right now is water. Yeah. I cannot push it enough. Water, water, water. And that doesn't mean soda or mm -hmm. diet soda. It's water. Water will help you lose weight no matter what you're doing. Yeah, I would agree with you. Um, we, as a society, drink way too much sweetened drinks, right? And what happens when you're drinking the sodas, even if it's like you think the diet sodas, the artificially sweetened sodas, they actually, you're still craving that sweetness. And again, it's it's a chemical that you're, you're putting in your body. You're not getting any nutrition from it. And herbal teas are good because that's basically water as well. But everybody should be drinking at least six to eight glasses of water a day. And 
for people who aren't accustomed to drinking water, sometimes people can get scared, Jason, if you say, oh, you got to drink a gallon of water a day or whatever. But I start with, if you're not drinking any water, start with two glasses a day. Add some lemon slices, lime slices, orange slices uh, to make it maybe taste a little better. I just drink plain water and that is what I drink almost exclusively. Um, I honestly, I'm not sure when the last time I had a soda was. It's uh, very rare that I'll have once in a while. I don't know, I get a craving for a Pepsi, but I bet you it's been two years since I've had a Pepsi. Just, um, it it's water is what I drink. I drink black coffee and I drink one cup of black coffee in the morning and then uh, tea. I drink hot herbal teas when I'm chilly, but otherwise it's water. And what's strange is I hated drinking water in the beginning, but now that I've been drinking it, your body kind of uh, needs it. Yeah. And it's kind of amazing because your body will actually ask for it. It's kind of strange. Yeah, you, you our bodies, what, that's another thing I really teach is that you listen to your body. And if you truly listen to your body, it's going to be easier to not overeat because what happens is when we're eating, it becomes habit and it tastes so good. And it's like, oh, wow, it's great, right? By the time you finish eating, you're like, you're so stuffed, right? But if you eat mindfully, if you take your time and, and really eat slowly and really pay attention, and if you pay attention to when your stomach feels satisfied and stop eating then instead of getting all of the pleasure in your mouth, really paying attention to your whole body. And you will notice that, okay, yeah, I'm full. I don't need a second helping. And typically we know what to put on our plate for a first helping and that's what we should eat. But we are just, again, it becomes habit to just have seconds and even thirds. If you go to a big old buffet, right? And you want to eat as much as you possibly can, but really pay attention to what your body is telling you. And the water is so important for proper digestion, for elimination, without getting too graphic. It's, we should be eliminating every single day. And I know a lot of people do not. And the water is number one to help help with that, making just making sure that you're going to the bathroom regularly. Another thing that I want to touch on too about that is not just how much you eat, but when you eat. A lot of people eat when they're not hungry. You either eat when you're stressed, you eat when you're bored, whatever. It's the grazing. And a lot of times that even if you don't go to the refrigerator, if you're hungry, sometimes if you have a glass of water, it actually stops that food craving. Yeah, that's uh, absolutely true. And if uh, I've read, I've done, I'm always reading and listening to podcasts and stuff I and what I have learned recently is that when we are stressed, our body just naturally craves that craves like that high density food. Like that is just a biological feature within our body. So it's not because you're weak. It's not because you don't have control. There's a biological reason. So if that to begin with, when you're stressed, what you need to do is really Find some other activities to do. Take a walk. It's it's because your body needs to burn off this energy. If you eat a great big dish of comfort food, then all that energy has to go to the stomach to help digest it, right? But instead, 
you can also release all that excess stress by taking a walk, by cleaning out a closet, by calling a friend and venting a little bit or finding another way other than eating. But yeah, I, I used to be a very big stress eater. Like when, when I felt stressed, I wanted just to eat chips. Chips were always like my go-to. And yeah, once, once you really get a good handle and understand it, then it's easier to say, wow, no, I don't want those chips. I, I'll go take a walk or do something other than eat but if I'm feeling stressed. Have you ever noticed that it might like come in the family where the parents are heavy or poor eaters, then the kids kind of follow that same path because they see their their parents doing it? Yeah, sure. Well, we learn that those are our first teachers, right? Our parents. And we learn how to eat the way our parents cooked, the way our parents ate, right? And that's and and that's why a lot of times people say that whatever different diseases run in my family, like diabetes, like diabetes is unless you're a uh, type one diabetic, right? You're, you're born as a diabetic, but typically type two diabetes is, is totally lifestyle related. It's, it's related to what you eat and your lack of uh, movement exercise. So, and so many, so many diseases are that way, but when, when people think, yeah, well, it runs in my family. My parents are both diabetic. My sisters, my brothers are, well, it's because you all grew up together. You all ate the same kind of foods and you, you lived a similar lifestyle. And that's really a big part of it. Not a hundred percent, but a big part of diseases come from our lifestyle and what we eat and how we move. So movement is another big aspect of my ditch the diet program is just getting people to move their bodies in joyful ways, finding fun ways to move your body. That's another piece of what I teach. Back when I was younger, I guess we're probably about the same age about. So I remember back in the day, they had a program on TV. I believe Michael Jordan was involved. A few other sports figures were all involved it was called get outside for 30 minutes uh-huh. and we don't have that now. It's like everybody is stuck either in the house on their phones or in front of the TV. We really don't get outside and play much anymore. And do you think that can contribute to it? Yeah, I, I believe that does contribute to it again. Yeah. Growing up, we were out all day long, right? Riding our bikes here, riding our bikes there, all over the place, right? Part of it too, I think, parents are a little more cautious about just letting their kids be out, right? On their own. It's a little different world that we live in today. and But definitely there is a lack of activity and there is even more of those fast foods, highly processed foods, right? They're just so readily available today that we're not necessarily, I believe it's really in the seventies when all of that stuff really became like commonplace in the household. I, I, I'm fortunate, I'm blessed. My mother always cooked from scratch. So I was always, and, and 
I'll be honest with you, when I was a kid, I wanted nothing to do with learning how to cook. She forced me in the kitchen, maybe learn how to cook. But now I'm like, oh, thank God she did that. But I didn't grow up with the TV dinners and that kind of stuff that were kind of just coming out then as I was growing up. She, she just cooked, like I said, just cooked from scratch. Right. That's the problem nowadays is I'm wondering if I don't want to drop any names, but I'm wondering if a lot of it has to do with companies out there that profit off of bigger people, companies yeah. like companies that create this medication to make sure that people stay the way they are. If they're unhealthy, I don't believe companies want a cure. I believe a lot of companies want patients because if you cure, cure something, then they're going to be losing that prop from that one person. So yeah. let's create, let, let's create this country that's fat because a country that's fat is going to have more health issues and those health issues are going to combine into more profits. Yeah. It's a pretty sad way to look at it, but the do and any doctor will tell you this as well. Like they learn so little about nutrition in their training. They're taught about disease and how to fix it with pills, right? Or surgeries or whatever. They are given like one course in nutrition. It's such a small amount of their, their total um, education that unless a physician has some internal desire to learn more about nutrition, um, they don't, they don't know about it. So that's why they don't take the time to teach you what you should be eating and how you should be eating. Cause they don't really know. I mean, unless they're going out of their, out of their realm and learning it on their own. I, I love, there's several doctors that I, I love listening to again on their podcasts or read their books and those kind of things. And they have, They'll all tell you, like they went out and did the research themselves. They did not learn it in medical school. They were a typical uh, Western doctor who prescribed meds. That's what they do. They that's what they learned how to do is prescribe medication. And I, I'm I'm thrilled I, to not be on any medication. And many of my friends are on medications. I don't I, I don't know how old you are, but I'm 65. I just turned 65 a couple of months ago, and I. I'm thrilled to not be on medication. That is my goal to live as healthy as long as I can. And I met a man uh, a couple of months ago and oh my gosh, he is well into his eighties and he is a mountain climber. Like he's climbed like Mount Everest. Like he's done serious mountain climbing and he still does serious mountain climbing. And I'm like, that is what I want. Not that I'm mountain climb, but I play golf and I ski and I do those kind of things. And that's what I want to be able to continue to do well into my eighties and even maybe in my nineties, I don't know, but I, I'm definitely, I want to live healthfully as long as I can. And so I know that when I fuel my body with the right foods, when I move my body every single day, drinking water, all of that kind of stuff, I have the best chance possible of living more healthfully. Right. And that's one of the things I want to get out. That's why I'm doing mainly this podcast It's because a lot of people out there don't realize what is actually ready to be accomplished. Like you said, there's skiing, there's hiking, there's golfing, 
there's biking. There's a lot of things out there that is actually more fun than being stuck in front of a television or in front of your phone. Yeah, I I agree. I am not a big fan of TV. I mean, my husband and I will usually watch a movie on maybe Friday night or Saturday night or something. But other than that, we do not watch TV. He usually catches the news for maybe a half hour in the morning. And that's it. We're not ones to just sit and watch TV. It's just, like you said, there's just so much more life to live than living somebody else's life through the TV, right? <laughs> that's that's another thing. Is It's great that you said that because I think there's people out there that are creating a false life for other people. Mm-hmm. And like there's people out there making technology to kind of bring you in so that you don't see everything. You kind of live that false narrative. Yeah. Yeah. If you get sucked into that, you that can happen for sure. It, it definitely. Yeah. I mean, look, the TV shows, they, they're, they're looking to make the bottom dollar too, right? They're, it's all, it's all around money and everybody's out there looking to make the most profit they can. And they put all these, shows that you want to come back and watch it again and watch it again and watch it you kind of get sucked in i wanted to mention this because you were talking about keeping people overweight eating more than what they should i don't know if you realize this but the food industry actually hires scientists who are craveability experts and that's that's what they're called. They are craveability experts. And it is their sole job is to make that food as tasty as they possibly can with the, just the right amount of sugar, the right amount of fats, the right amount of crunch, the right amount of salt, so that you want to keep coming back for more and more. I mean, that's so they want to sell more of their junk food. And so they're going to make it taste as as good as they can. And, but you, as well as I do, when you stop eating that highly processed foods, you can lose your taste for it. Like it does not become such an intense craving and you really can appreciate then the more natural whole foods. Like to me, a big bowl of fruit is just like so delicious, a nice fresh mango or pineapple or something like that. I mean, it's just so sweet, juicy and delicious, right? When you're not eating all of that artificially flavored stuff. And that's one thing I want to mention. You just mentioned a bowl of fruit. That is different. I heard that it breaks down differently when you have a bowl of fruit because you actually have whole fruits. Once you put that into a blender and you blend it up and you make it into a smoothie, that breaks down differently than the whole fruit because it doesn't have the consistency of a whole fruit. You're going to break it down to the sugars faster than what you would as a whole fruit. Right. Yeah, that's true. It's going to, yeah, you're, you've already broken it down some in the blender. Whereas when you're eating the whole fruit, digestion starts here in your mouth when you're chewing it in all of that. So you're, you're doing all of that action. And some people who are trying to watch their sugar are afraid to eat fruit, but it's really the added sugars that are the problem because the fruit has the fiber as well as a lot of water in in fruits. There's a lot of water in fruit. So 
when it's naturally occurring like that, unless you are a severe diabetic and people need to check with their doctors, I'm not trying to say that any diabetic can eat as much food as they want. That's not what I'm saying at all. But if someone is trying to reduce their sugar intake, typically a couple of pieces of fruit is going to satisfy that sweetness. And it's not anywhere near the same as just eating a candy bar that is just added sugar and and solidified fats, right? So big difference. And there are some fruits that are actually lower in sugar than a lot because I know for a fact, strawberries per serving have less sugar than say a serving of a banana. Right. Yes. And if you eat a banana before it's really ripe, it's got less sugar in it too. You you can just take, right, when it's still like a little green, a little more firm, it doesn't have the intense sugar as when it gets very ripe. So yeah, but yeah, the different fruits definitely have different sugar amounts for sure. And okay, dried, well, fruits, dried fruits are pretty high in sugar, but I often have people, if they're really like, addicted to candy like they they just want to have candy every day sometimes dried fruits could be a nice transition which is very sweet and like a date a couple of dates that's still better for you than a candy bar and so that can be like a transition from the candy bars to whole fruits and what would you say about the processed like the smoothies that you get in the store yeah i would it's not the same if you want a smoothie Make it at home. If you do want the smoothies in the blender, make it at home. Don't yeah. make it in the store. Look at the ingredients. It's not just straight up fruit. It's additives. That's what you want to stay away from. That's what we're talking about clean. You, we're not saying never to have a smoothie. If you're going to have one, make it at home. If you want pizza, make it at home. Don't go and buy a pizza in the store. It's yeah. way too processed. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. A homemade pizza. Yeah. Not, not a horrible thing really. Right. Especially if you load it up with some good vegetables on top and your fresh sauce and yeah, a little bit of cheese. Don't overdo it with the cheese and you gotta, that there's nothing wrong with that. Right. And don't put pineapple on it. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I've, I no, I'm not a pineapple fan on my pizza. <laughs> what is your favorite? What was your first job? My first job as a waitress, uh, 16 years old. Well, I can't, I was a babysitter before that. But yeah, at 16 years old, I started waitressing and I waitressed my way through college. I always had a job when I went to college. And yeah, that was it, waitressing. What is your favorite season? That's super simple. I am a summer girl. <laughs> I love the heat. I love to be on the beach. So yeah, bring on the heat. Who is your hero? My hero? Other than my mother. I think my mother's my hero. Yeah, she really, mom of six kids and raised us to be of service. And that was something she always did. She was always there. She was the the Cub Scout leader, the Girl Scout leader, um, PTA, like all of that stuff. She taught us to be of a service mindset for others. And what is your favorite food? My favorite food, I don't know if I have any one favorite food, but I love avocados. I love mangoes. I love pineapple. I mentioned the, the mango and pineapple. Yeah. So those are some of my favorites. What is your favorite dessert? It's got to be chocolate. 
Yeah, like any anything chocolate would be my favorite dessert for sure. Oh, what? Wait, my good friend Nancy Murphy. She used to own a restaurant. She made like homemade chocolate cream pie with whip the fresh whipped cream chocolate. That was the best, absolute best. <laughs> what time do you wake up? Six a.m. What movie do you quote the most? Hmm. What movie do I quote the most? I don't really think I have a movie that I quote. Um, I'm more of a motivational speaker quote person, like a Jim Rohn quote or, yeah, Zig Ziglar quote, things like that. I'm not a movies quoter. Are you a night in or are you a night out? I'm night in for sure. <laughs> are you a thinker or are you a doer? Uh, combination, but I think I'm more of a doer yeah you got to be as an entrepreneur you've got to be a doer do you learn by watching or do you learn by doing i learn by doing when you go swimming do you dive in or do you tiptoe in when i what when you go swimming do you tiptoe in or oh, dive in no i dive in what is your guilty pleasure i guess it would have to be pizza <laughs> i love a good pizza what motivates you? Helping others. I'll tell you, I, I, every once in a while, I get a text message from somebody saying how they're eating better now and how much I've helped them change the way they look at food. And I, that just, that's why I'm doing this. Like if I can help a couple of people just really turn their health around, that really does motivate me to want to do, do it more. What's your deepest fear? deepest fear that I will end up living into old age and not be able to still enjoy life, like to be bed bound, I guess, for any length of time is like a horrible fear of mine. Like I would hate to spend the last 10 years of my life, like in bed, right? Bed bound. Yeah. How do you want to be remembered? A servant leader as someone who was there to serve others and to give freely of her time and wisdom and all of that. On your gravestone, what is something you would want written to have people say, oh, that was her? Let me see. Hmm, I haven't thought of that. But I think to say she lived a life for herself and for others what do you care the most about my family now i'm going to bring up i talked about this in my mayor podcast okay. but my grandmother started a tutoring program in my neighborhood for the kids that were under grade level reading okay as a principal have you read have you ran into that in your own school where you noticed that was a problem? And if so, what would you do to change it? So I worked, I was a teacher first and I was a special education teacher. And I was a school principal in a school that was 100% highly specialized um, special needs kids. Uh, we had kids that were very medically fragile. We had students that came to school with their own nurses with oxygen. We also had kids who were on the autism spectrum, nonverbal, 
and had a lot of needs. So that was really my specialty was kids that had really intense needs. The, the majority of the students I worked with were nonverbal. We did not, I mean, we had a few children who were readers, but the bulk of our children did not read, did not do true academics. Although we did, we had, we had to follow the New York state guidelines and teach academics, but we really focused on providing a program where they could feel good about who they were and really be able to experience a lot of different things. And most of the parents just wanted a place where their children were safe, where their children were happy, where the children learned basic skills that they needed um, to do the best they could in life. So a little different than your typical public school. Have you ever felt like parents are nowadays, parents kind of feel not just with your school, I know that's a different situation, but with a lot of schools, do you feel like parents want to get pushed along so they stay with their friends? Because I kind of noticed there's a lot of parents that say, oh, my kid is going to stay back. I don't want them to. Do you, or do you feel it's more or less nowadays that it's actually the way it's supposed to be where, hey, look, we want the kids to stay there or we want the kids to be at their reading level. So we're going to keep them behind. How do you think things equal out now? Because I'm hearing a bunch of different things. I want to get it from your point of view. Yeah, it's it's a really tough thing because every child is so different and so individual. My feeling, honestly, is that our schools do not have all of the supports that our students need. Too many students fall through the cracks. Too many students that really need that extra support services for whatever reason, whether it's an unstable home life, whether it's they've got some kind of you know, learning disability, whatever it is that's going on, uh, we need more social supports out there. And uh, again, even the academic supports, one teacher with 25, 30 kids, they, they can't that's not even realistic to expect one teacher can teach um, all of those children effectively. It's especially when there's such a big range, right? You've got some kids who are reading two grade levels above and you've got other kids reading two or three grade levels below and everybody in between, and you've got to try to teach there. So there needs to be more support, more push-in support there's a lot of like pull-out services where they, they leave the classroom and they go and meet with the reading specialist or whatever. And that may help some kids, but some kids need more support right in the classroom and helping them be able to guide through. That's kind of sad. We're asking teachers, principals, and support staff to take care of that many kids at once. It's kind of, it's kind of sad when you think yeah. about it in that way. Mm-hmm. Really, I, I think... Classrooms should be around 12 kids, 13, 14. That would be more manageable. But again, you're talking about there's only so many dollars to go around, right? So you got to figure out where where does that balance come in. And unfortunately, because um, if you look at your better private schools, there's only 12 or 13, 14 maybe kids in a class, right? But parents are paying very big bucks for their kids to go there. Well, I'm going to call you Principal Simmons. I'm going, to have you, I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to give you a moment to ramble on either about school 
ramble on about diets, clean eating. I want to give you a moment to speak about whatever you want. Okay. Okay. I, I, I'm going to speak on really like the reason behind clean eating. And it's not always just about losing the weight. It's really about living a healthier life. Like I am all about helping people to really understand that when we carry around excess weight, our risk for heart disease, our risk for high blood pressure, our risk for diabetes, our risk for even certain kinds of cancer, all are significantly higher, okay? And so it's not just that excess weight. It is what happens is when we have all that excess weight, our heart is working harder, right? It's harder to get around. It becomes a vicious cycle, right? You're carrying around an extra 40, 50, 60, 100 pounds. It becomes harder now to move your body, right? So then it becomes harder to lose the weight. So it's when we get caught in that vicious cycle, it's important to remember that little tiny steps can make a huge difference. And if you think that, oh, I'll just go on a diet for the next three months or six months and lose the weight, really what we need to think about is how can we live? How can we eat? How can we really live for the rest of our lives? Like this is not about eating this way for six months until you lose the weight. It's really about adopting a new philosophy about food, a new philosophy about your health. And that's why I push in the mindset so much. It's it's like really creating a new, a brand new identity of who you are and what you want to accomplish. And I really love when people just stop and think about why they want to lose the weight or why they want to get healthier, like really kind of dig deep into that. And I, for me, it's the health piece. It's it's not just losing 10 or 20 pounds. It's about being as healthy. There's so much in this life for us to enjoy, but if we can't get up and get out and enjoy it, then we're stuck inside watching TV and watching other people live their life, right? So that's really it. And anybody who wants help on this area, I hope they reach out to me. And I am here to help anybody that wants help. And because that's really what my my passion is, is to help people see it's little tiny tweaks that you can do. And um, I, don't, I don't know if you're familiar with the book Atomic Habits um, by James Clear, right? And it's about mm-hmm. making those little tiny changes and you just keep adding to them and adding to them. Because if you try to change it all at once, um, it becomes overwhelming and it becomes too much. So we start with little tiny changes and then just keep adding to it. When I started um, over a year ago, walking for 10 minutes was a challenge. Like I was like, oh my, I got on my treadmill for 10 minutes. I was like, oh my gosh, this is like harder than I thought. And now I typically walk anywhere from 45 to minutes to an hour. And when even just walking from my car to the grocery store, which used to be a little bit uncomfortable, is now just like, boom, there's nothing to it. So it takes time. It's not going to happen overnight, but you just keep adding a little bit, a little bit, a little bit at a time. And you'll be amazed at how much difference you can make in your health. 
Okay, Darlie, how do I get people to hit you up if they want to know more? Are you on Instagram? Are you on Facebook? Twitter? On, anything yeah, like that? Yeah, I am on Facebook mostly. So it's Dara Lee Simmons on Facebook, right? And I am on Instagram. You can find me there, Dara Lee Simmons. But really, Facebook is my place of choice. So you can find me there. Send me a message. Look at what I've got to offer. And if anybody wants to join my group, it's called Ditch the Diet with Dara Lee. And that's a Facebook group. It's free. And I give all kinds. I do weekly coaching in there. And I give tips, daily tips in there, of what people can do to start eating better. All right. That's been great. And I hope everybody joins that group. And it's D-A-R-A-L-E-E-S-I-M-M-O-N-S. So I want to thank her so much for her time. Again, she was a principal, so you got to give her props for that. (laughs) So I really want to thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. I so appreciate being here, Jason. All right. Thank you. I'm always looking for likes, shares, and reviews. Please give it a share and a review. Five stars really does help. Thanks for tuning in. Yes, refill both of our coffees. See you next week where we can listen once again. Please follow us on Saturday Java with Jason on Facebook and Instagram. And please follow me on Facebook at Jason Coffee Man.